With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining me here on After 9. This is Echo Wiley here, and I've got Phyllis in with me this morning and Stephen on the sound, but I've got a special thing going on today. We've pre-recorded an interview with a gentleman. His name is Calvin Sandburn. He Calvin Sanborn QC. He is a environmental lawyer with the University of Victoria and was instrumental in our dealings with the uh, plastics plant and the straddle plant going into our agricultural land here. So welcome, Mr. Sanborn. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Echo. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you uh, did a really good job for us here. We managed to uh, delay this, waylay it. Hopefully they'll take it somewhere else. But your uh, journey with plastics and dealing with uh, these types of things didn't start here. It goes back all the way to 1999 when you, in fact, um, put a, a presentation together for the Consumer Bo- the Competition Bureau, it was, 2019. Yeah, that's that's right. Well, actually, before that, the Environmental Law Center here at UVic had started a campaign to uh, change the plastics economy mm-hmm. and to reduce plastic waste, waste and uh, marine plastic waste and uh, to ban harmful single-use plastics and, and that sort of thing. So we, uh, we did have a number of reports that we did that we submitted directly to the the minister, federal minister of environment calling for restrictions on single-use plastics, which is now going ahead. They are banning styrofoam foodware and styrofoam cups, and they're, they're banning the, the beer, you know, the six-pack rings, the plastic rings that strangle birds, and, and they're banning plastic, uh, uh, checkout bags and, and that sort of thing. So we're, we're happy about that progress. But uh, we've been very concerned about plastics for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the, the prime reasons is the impact on climate change, because plastics uh, are scheduled in the coming years to, to be 15% of the total carbon footprint on the planet. And it's a, it's a rising amount because we're doubling the use of plastics every 20 years. Uh, and so the, they're not only... Uh, Plastics are, are not only a waste that we that litter the landscape and fill our land uh, landfills and and pollute the ocean and and are a threat to like the plastics uh, kill a hundred thousand marine mammals a year and a million birds and countless fish. Uh, but and there there are also microplastics that are that are in the ocean. We've got three thousand particles of microplastic in every cubic meter of salt water in the Gulf of Georgia. And we have plastics in in shellfish. Every sample of shellfish on Vancouver Island recently was found to have plastics in it. So so it's doing all of that, but the it's it's a, a real really imminent threat to climate change because of the fact that that plastics manufacturing is expanding so quickly and it's just taking this bigger and bigger chunk of our carbon footprint so so we need to um, we need to restrict plastics uh, if we're going to deal with climate change and that's that's the thing that has gotten us um, so concerned about things like the plastics plant that was proposed in Prince George, because what's happening 
with the oil and gas industry is that they're losing market share in transportation. They're not going to be able to sell as much gasoline and in in other sectors. And they, they are seeing the plastic sector as an expansion possibility for them. And so around the world, we're seeing these major plastics plants being proposed. So it's not just Prince George. Like there, there's a major plastics plant being built in Pennsylvania. There's another one uh, being built in Louisiana. And, um, and so if, if you're concerned about climate, you have to be concerned about this, uh, uh, this new um, uh, plastics uh, explosion of, of plastic. Economy, uh, it would become an economy almost. If that's yes, what they're trying to do. That's, that's yeah, that's right. And so, so we've been we've been approaching that general plastics problem issue, and um, so you were talking about the 2019 uh, submission that we made to the Competition Bureau, and, and it's connected to it because. Um, Margaret Atwood and I wrote a, yes. an article in the Globe and Mail about the need to change the plastics economy, to restrict the amount of plastics we're using, to get rid of a lot of single-use plastics, that sort of thing. So we wrote that in 2018, and uh, the next day I got a, an email from the president of Curry Canada saying that, uh, oh, thank you, Mr. Sanborn, for this suggestion for a new plastics economy, and we think that Keurig coffee is part of that, because did you know that we have these coffee pods, the Keurig K-cup coffee pods, you know, the little mm-hmm. single-use coffee pods that you use in a Keurig machine, yeah. uh, and that that's really part of the solution, because these uh, coffee pods are recyclable, and so I was... Uh, <laughs> I was a bit skeptical okay. of that because I'd seen boxes of these coffee pods in the faculty room, you know, that really? massive amounts of plastic it, waste. It seemed nonsense, non, uh, nonsense to me. Really. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it did seem like nonsense right it, off it, the bat. It conceived idea, to, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we... Uh, a student and I sat down and, and looked at the ads for the, these uh, coffee pods, and we thought, oh, these are misleading advertising, because they were portraying a guy that had a, a rope around both of his wrists, and he was uh, uh, doing the simple recycling that they were promoting for these coffee pods, uh, of uh, stripping off the tin foil, tossing the coffee uh, from the pod into uh, compost, and then just tossing the pod itself into a blue box. Now, <clears throat> if you do that, you you contaminate the blue box uh, with coffee grounds and with tinfoil. Mm-hmm. And, and so what they were advertising was something that actually was really environmentally destructive. And in fact, it caused enormous problems in recycling systems. Like the city of Toronto was pulling out their hair because they were getting tons and tons of these coffee pods in their plastic stream, which contaminated their plastic and made the the plastic um, worth much less when they were trying to recycle it. And they were having to go in and remove all these coffee pods that were there because people thought they were doing the right thing by following these misleading ads. Really? Okay, yeah. yeah. And so, so... so I had a student, uh, Kevin Kisser, uh, document this stuff, and, and uh, the thing that he found was that they were 
advertising these coffee pods as this big green thing, like so they had green advertising on the labels and that sort of thing. Um, and they were saying they were recyclable, and they said they were recyclable in three steps, like just peel, like peel off that tinfoil, and then toss, you know, like toss the coffee, and then uh, uh, recycle. And, and in fact, it, to, to actually recycle, the, the thing that Keurig was pointing to was that the plastic itself, they were now making of something that was theoretically recyclable plastic. But in order to actually do the recycling, you'd have to take many more steps. Like you'd have to spend a lot of time getting all the tinfoil (laughs) off of the plastic. You'd have to wash out, pull out the filter, and then you'd have to wash out the pod. So it would be way more trouble than just making a bloody cup of coffee (laughs) in in a normal way. Um, Not to mention, uh, when you run hot water through plastic, it kind of leaches some of the plastic out into mm-hmm. your your drink. So, it, so it's just a, a very strange system. I don't understand why they didn't make like a tea bag with coffee in it and just have a metal screen filter. It would have been just as easy. <laughs> well, the great thing about these coffee pods from the Keurig point of view is that they have a patent on it. And so then they can sell their coffee for extraordinary amounts of money. <laughs> you know, you, you could sell your coffee for $70 a pound or whatever it works out to. Um, so at, at any rate, so it's quite uh, we thought... quite misleading is what it is. It's all quite a, a misleading situation. It really doesn't recycle properly. It really isn't effective. It's generally wasteful. And is it the plastic's a little bit too hard? Is that what it is? Because I know there's a... No, the plastic itself was theoretically recyclable, which was Keurig's big advertising point, was that the plastic was. But in fact, the pod itself um, is, is, uh, is much more difficult to recycle than what they were saying in the ad. And the other thing was that, that was misleading about their ad was that in most recycling systems across Canada, they prohibit these things because of the problems they cause. Mm-hmm. So it was misleading to advertise recyclable when in most places it's not recyclable at all. And in addition, even in places where it is, because in British Columbia it is recyclable in certain places, but you have to go through a whole bunch of steps. You know, they recommend that you wash them out and you carefully get the tinfoil off. And that was not uh, being communicated at all. So... um, at any rate, we thought this was misleading, so we filed this complaint in 2019, and uh, and then just in January, uh, the Competition Bureau agreed with us because we we had documented all the places that barred these things from being put in the recycling, and documented all the other places that said if you're going to do this, you have to do it much more carefully than they're advertising. Um, so in January, uh, there was a consent order issued with the Competition Tribunal of Canada that fined Keurig $3 million for misleading advertising. Um, it, it ordered them to pay $800,000 to an environmental charity. Uh, it ordered them within uh, two months to change all of their advertising, like change their labels to away from that misleading label that said you only had to do the three steps to recycle. Um, and they also had to uh, issue ads in every major newspaper across the country uh, multiple times, large ads, uh, correcting the misleading advertising and basically saying that they had been subject to this order. Uh, <laughs> and and, and that was the Competition Bureau that was able to do that with them. 
Yeah, they did it on the basis of the submissions that our clinic and EcoJustice had made, because we we showed all the evidence. Uh, Yeah, so... Consumers, uh, you know, need to make proper environmental decisions, and and if they don't have the facts, how are they supposed to do that? There's a term um, called greenwashing that seems to be traveling through the the industries right now and it seems to be something a lot of companies are are doing is that a yes as a matter of fact we were very pleased that shortly after the competition bureau uh, issued this uh, order um, that uh, they also issued a, a, a plea to the public to report greenwashing to report uh companies that are making misleading claims about the environmental virtues of their products. Uh, Because it's it's a very, very common thing. Um, There were a bunch of uh, consumer protection agencies around the world that did a survey, and they estimated that 40% of the ads promoting green products are misleading. So almost half of the ads that are saying that things are recyclable, compostable, sustainable, um, that it's 40% a bunch of those of bull, ads. Apparently, a bunch of bull, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it would seem. So it would seem. Yeah. So, oh, so they're, they're asking uh, members of the public to take a close look at products and, and the, the green claims that are being made by in advertising uh, and just see... Uh, if those products really are as green as they claim to be. And, and they're asking uh, consumers to contact companies and ask for the evidence for those uh, green ads. And uh, if, the, if the consumer thinks that there, there is misleading advertising going on, the Competition Bureau is available to, to the public for complaints, and they will... They will secure fines. You know, this this was a, a major blow to Keurig. Um, you know, the millions of dollars they have to pay. But more important than that is the fact that the the public now is getting these corrective ads that are that are saying that they they misled people. So, so that should deter uh, companies from um, from false uh, or misleading uh, green advertising. Truly, truly a good slap on the hands. And the fact that they uh, force them to pay money to an environmental group is is truly um, wonderful. I'm, I'm just, I find it so refreshing to hear a good news story like this. Yeah, and you know, if, if any environmental groups that are listening are, uh, are dealing with things like recycling, or plastics problems, they might want to contact the Competition Bureau um, or Keurig uh, to see if they can apply for funding uh, under that order. Oh, really? And yeah. and, and how how would uh, that how would that work? Well, I, simply Keurig is obligated to uh, to give eight hundred thousand dollars to environmental. Groups, oh, okay. uh, so, so under the order, and so they're going to be looking to uh, how they're going to spend that money, and and the money has to be approved by the competition bureau. So it's not just up to Curry to pick their oh, their charity. Okay. Oh well, that's a wonderful point. That's a great point for for everyone to have out there. So um, we've got to take a quick break here right now with uh, Calvin, and we will be back with more after nine. 
Find out what's happening in and around Prince George for the latest community events and happenings. Tune in to After 9 weekday mornings at 9 o'clock on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Your host for the day will interview everybody from local politicians to cultural contributors and a whole lot more. Stay in the know with After 9 weekday mornings at 9 o'clock only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. If you missed the live broadcast, catch the repeats every Sunday to Thursday night at 10. Feeling snacky? Pop by either Boston Pizza location for happy hour every day from 3 to 8. Boston Pizza has amazing drink features, friendly staff, and tons of options no matter what you're craving. If you want to stay home, Boston Pizza has you covered with dynamite online bundle deals for your takeout or delivery needs. Give them a shout or order online at bostonpizza.com to place your order today. Stay safe and thank you for your continued support of Boston Pizza. Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250-617-7467, and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com. At Pivot Leader, we have Help you grow, train, and sell your business. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south at 30K, gusting to 50, a high of 9. Tonight, partly cloudy, becoming cloudy with showers near midnight. Gusting south winds continuing, a low of 5. On Tuesday, showers ending in the morning, then mainly cloudy. More gusting south winds and a high of 12. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Welcome back, everyone. We just uh, had a quick break, and we're back with Mr. Calvin Sanborn, QC. And we've been talking about greenwashing, and the Keurig Company specifically, there was in uh, January 2022 here, a wonderful award won. But uh, we're going to talk now about the greenwashing and the phenomena that seems to be carrying through advertising. Yeah, so um, it's a, it's a really uh, important issue that we make sure that there's truth in advertising. Absolutely. And because uh, consumers can actually change the marketplace to reward green products and to uh, discipline um, non-green and environmentally destructive products but only if they have the truth about the product. So um, if, they, if they have misleading ads that, about products claiming the products have uh, environmental virtues that they don't, then, then it, it deprives consumers of the ability to actually make smart choices to protect their children and protect their children's future. So we see this uh, truth in advertising as a really important thing. Like, it's always been important to ensure that uh, manufacturers uh, are telling the truth and not being misleading when they do advertising. But it's particularly important on environmental issues because um, the, using the marketplace to protect the planet um, can be an important component of a sustainable society, but not if false advertising is out there uh, confusing people so that uh, consumers can't make uh, a reality-based uh, choice. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why we're super excited about the Keurig case. And uh, it, it's interesting to note that a month and a half after uh, we got our award in Canada, um, a California court <laughs> 
uh, issued a, a, a judgment against Kurg too. Uh, so, so this is now being noticed. Like manufacturers around North America are now um, quite aware of the fact that they can be caught out on false advertising. Uh, there was a big article in the National Law Review in the United States about our case and the California case, and so we'd like to we'd like to have more of these cases. <laughs> so really get everybody to pull up their socks, kind of thing. Yeah, yes. exactly. So we had a. An, um, our environmental law club here at the law faculty spent a, a day a couple weeks ago where the students just sat down and started examining a whole bunch of companies' ads to see uh, what might be the next Curry case, what might be the next uh, misleading advertising case. And they came up with some really interesting things. It's, it's super interesting how... Um, how subtle some of this advertising is because companies uh, can spend a lot of money on the best psychologists and the best marketing specialists to to kind of spin this advertising to uh, to mislead people and to uh, give a misleading impression about about the product. Um, and so we we've got a whole bunch of possibilities that the students and some concerned organizations are are looking at now. Can you tell me on a percentage basis of like how many you know you looked at so many things and how many percentage of them did they find was you know misleading or disreputable? Well, we we go by that forty percent figure that oh. the the consumer agencies around the world. Uh, in their survey, estimated 40% of, of the green advertising was misleading. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's probably uh, reflects what, what the students saw. Um, but uh, it, it should be interesting going forward to see how that all works out. Truly, truly. It's, it's, uh, you think about we base our decisions uh, every day, like you say, feeding our children and and uh, what we do, where we go, where we camp, and you know, oh my goodness, it's it's just crazy. Yeah, to think that uh, these guys can just make and the money they make, and then it's all just a big tax write-off for them too, isn't it? Really, in the long run, uh, I guess. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I haven't looked into those aspects, but uh, but certainly the misleading advertising stuff is something that has to be stopped. But hey, Echo, did uh, did you want to talk about the? Uh, uh, the plastics plant proposal in Prince George and some of the things that we did there? Absolutely. Love to hear uh, all the things that were going on. We know that uh, the grasslands, not gaslands, uh, folks were in there, and Dr. Annie Booth, Zoe Miletus, and uh, Dr. Mari Hay were all contributors, as well as yourself and your group down there. What What was it that you put out there for us? Well, it was a very exciting opportunity for us to work uh, particularly with too close to home and uh, yes, and also with uh, grasslands not gaslands um, but the the uh, the thing that made the environmental law center interested in this case as i mentioned was the close connection between the doubling of plastics production every 20 years and the increasing carbon footprint of plastics right. uh, so that uh, the the, uh, the Scientific American ran a, an article saying that that uh, that basically we're not going to solve the climate change problem if we allow this rapid expansion of plastics production. Mm-hmm. You know, one one plant that was proposed in the United States was uh, uh, they figured was the equivalent of, of putting 
28,000 cars on the road permanently. Um, and, and so, there, you know, a lot of uh, pollution concerns that, are, that arise from that. And so it was a great opportunity for our law students uh, who, <clears throat> who want to be environmental lawyers or training to be environmental lawyers to connect with a community group. And I must say that there's a, there's a very vibrant community group in Prince George. That, Absolutely. That, that group of people are really, really uh, an admirable group. And, and with a lot of support, you know, they got over 2,000 names on, on their petition. And, In a uh, very short time, as a matter of fact. And, yeah, um, yes. that, that's right. And so basically, uh, from the law student point of view, they were just looking at how you could use uh, the laws, the environmental assessment laws, to, um, to, to ask for a proper government analysis of uh, the environmental impacts of what was proposed. So they had proposed this $5.6 billion project with the three different facilities. And, um, and so our basic uh, submission was, uh, before you do that, you should do a really good environmental assessment. You know, since there's such a, a great impact on climate, and, and then there's also a whole bunch of other environmental issues, including uh, toxic chemicals and, and uh, impacts on wildlife and uh, potential impacts on worker health and fire and explosion kind of uh, risks yeah, and, yes. and lots, of, lots of issues here. So uh, regardless of... Um, what you think about the merits or demerits of uh, proceeding with this plant, uh, it's inarguable that you should take a darn good look at this thing and, and actually have a panel of experts do the environmental assessment and have public hearings. And that was basically all that we asked for in the submission that we uh, made to government and, uh, and to the city council. And, um, and so uh, that after we did that... Um, the company withdrew two of the proposals, and then the third proposal in Pineview was proceeding. And, uh, and so then we said, well, even if just the third one goes ahead, you still have to have an, a good environmental assessment. And so we have, uh, uh, after participating with the local citizens out there at the regional district level, where, where there was a positive decision from the community's point of view, um, on the agricultural land classification, uh, we continue to ask for a, a solid, comprehensive environmental assessment of that plant, that remaining plant proposal. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, it just makes common sense that you don't go ahead with uh, a proposal like that. Uh, without a, a, an assessment, true and proper. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like the company is saying that they uh, oh, that we're they take would take a quick break for a second, sure, um, and and then we'll come right back. And, okay, uh, get right into this because this is important stuff for us in PG. The UNBC Division of Palliative Care and the BC Center for Palliative Care need your help. If you're an adult living in BC who has experienced grief following the death of someone during the pandemic, share your experience in an online survey. Results will be used to help improve BC's grief support services. To participate or for more information, email jblack at bc-cpc.ca. The deadline for taking this 15-minute online pandemic grief survey is March 25th. 
The Prince George Potter's Guild is excited to be offering classes again this spring. Beginner Wheel Level 1 will take place Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 9.30 starting May 10th. No previous experience is required for this six-week course. Cost is $285 with registration available through the PG Potter's Guild classes link under Gallery and Shop at Studio2880.com. The Beginner Wheel Level 1 course starting May 10th from the Prince George Potter's Guild. Your Prince George Chamber of Commerce has their annual general meeting set for Tuesday, April 26th. The AGM is a chance for members to learn more about chamber accomplishments and future plans and to vote on important chamber matters. It's also an opportunity to hear from Board of Directors candidates and elect the new slate of directors. Nominations are now being accepted for the Board of Directors. For more information on the AGM or to nominate a director, call the Chamber office at 250-562-2454. The BC Games Society is pleased to announce the new dates for the BC Winter Games, originally scheduled for last month. The Games will now be held in Vernon March 23rd to 26th next year. In January, organizers decided not to proceed with the 2022 BC Winter Games due to the COVID-19 pandemic and recent flooding and wildfires across the province. For up-to-date information on this year's BC Summer Games in Prince George and the Winter Games next March in Vernon, visit bcgames.org. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello, we are back and we are speaking with Calvin Sandward, QC, from Victoria uh, UVic Law, uh, Environmental Law. And uh, we were so lucky to have all of them doing these uh, studies for us with the plant. So, sorry, carry on, Mr. Calvin. Well, you know, uh, just on that topic, uh, Echo, the... Uh, we're very fortunate, uh, the law students are very fortunate to be able to work with community groups. Like, uh, this is what many of these law students want to do with their lives. So when they can work with people like uh, Zoe and Annie and, uh, and the others uh, in those groups, uh, it's, it's a great opportunity. I, I always say that in, at the Environmental Law Center, the magic happens when you connect idealistic young people with people from the community that are committed and knowledgeable and involved in a, an issue. So, yeah, and, and things have gone, uh, I think, from the community group's uh, point of view pretty well on this thing. Uh, the, the remaining issue now is that uh, uh, we still have outstanding our application to the provincial government saying that if the third plant that's still on the table, if it goes ahead, it, it should not go ahead without an environmental assessment. That's a pretty simple proposition. (laughs) Don't don't go ahead with this thing without an environmental assessment, a full environmental assessment under the Environmental Assessment Act. So so, um, just out of curiosity, how did these folks manage to get to the point and slide under our radar to be able to get to the point that they did without having all of these environmental assessments? Is this common behavior amongst the industry or...? Well, what it is is that a straddle plant like that third plant is um, uh, can can go through a, a lesser process through the Oil and Gas Commission and uh, and not go through an environmental assessment under the Environmental Assessment Act. Mm-hmm. And so we've made an application uh, that uh, that they'd be designated for an environmental assessment. There's a provision under the Act for that. And we're saying because of, <clears throat> because of the important um, issues here that uh, 
that it should be examined uh, carefully by an environmental assessment. For instance, the company is saying that this plant will somehow have a, um, a, a benefit to greenhouse gas uh, because uh, if you take the butane and the propane out of the natural gas, that uh, it will burn cleaner and that that will reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Now, we've, we've had a professor at the university there look at that, and he's saying, oh, yeah, but they're not looking at the, the emissions that would come from the butane and propane that, mm-hmm. that's going to be extracted. So, um, so that needs to be analyzed. There's a, there's a difference, a clear difference of opinion. The company's saying one thing, a, the university professor's saying something quite contrary. So where is the truth there? Like, so you need to have an environmental assessment to assess that. Um, you know, there's things like, uh, uh, the number of jobs that are, there's, uh, quite a difference between the number of jobs that the company has proclaimed that they would be creating and uh, and some statements that were made to uh, to government because there was a requirement that if it was going to create more than 250 jobs that they had to um, do a notice to government to, that might might then lead to an environmental assessment and that notice was never given and so when they were queried on that the company said well it's 80 to 120 direct jobs not not the thousand or two thousand that they've been claiming, and that yeah. the thousand or two thousand is indirect jobs. And so it, anyway, there's there's a big difference in number between eighty to one hundred and twenty jobs and a thousand or two thousand, or sometimes they've said thousands of jobs. So where's where's that number? There needs to be an assessment just to determine what the facts are. Yes, they're just yeah. again misleading. So it's it's kind of difficult. well. I'm not saying that they're misleading. I'm just saying that there's a question there that needs to be looked at. There's a big I difference see. between those numbers. <laughs> Yes, very yeah. much so. And, and yeah. uh, we also took into consideration that the vast majority of those workers would have not been from Prince George as well within that because they were, you know, had some form of expertise that needed to be needed to be done. But uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of questions that need to be looked at, and it's a big decision for the community, and and it's a decision about the where the community's going in the future. If it's going to be a, an oil and gas kind of community, or if it's going to be a part of the 21st century economy. Exactly, and that's what we're hoping for is to go for the 21st century economies, and that's what we're the clean after. economy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. very clean, very clean, and uh, you know. Um, where it's fair and we all have proper information. That's that's the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Holy man. Well, it's been a pleasure to to talk talk to you. Yes. Well, thank you so much, uh, Calvin, for joining us. Uh, Calvin is an environmental law professor at University of Victoria, which is so um, been a big part of this ability for us not to have this extra gas and air pollution in in our society. So thank you so much, sir, for all the work you are doing. It is absolutely amazing. Well, thank you so much, Echo, and good luck with the radio show. Well, thank you so much, and you take care now and keep up the good work. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to take a uh, quick break again, and we will be back with more After 9. 
seniors across Canada rely on accessible transportation for the daily necessities of life. Unfortunately, nearly half of older Canadians don't have access to transportation that meets their needs. I'm Jane Array, Chief Operating Officer at CanAge, Canada's national seniors advocacy organization. We're asking community groups across the country to share information about seniors' transportation in their area so that together we can find a solution. Go to FastTrackCanada.org to submit your community profile today. Vantage Point's next Leadership Principles Lab starts April 5th. Leadership Principles strengthens your individual leadership skills and personal attributes to positively impact the effectiveness of your organization. Vantage Point's Leadership Lab is a unique professional development offering for not-for-profit leaders seeking to enhance their current leadership approach. Registration and full details are available through the training link at thevantagepoint.ca. Vantage Point's Leadership Principles Lab, three consecutive Tuesday evenings starting April 5th. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council is taking registration for the 2022 BC Indigenous Track and Field Camp. The free two-day camp is for Indigenous youth aged 10 to 17 and will take place March 26th and 27th in Kamloops. Registration and full details for the camp are available through the website ispark.ca. Registration deadline is Wednesday. That's the Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council 2022 BC Indigenous Track and Field Camp, March 26th and 27th in Kamloops. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south at 30K, gusting to 50, a high of 9. Tonight, partly cloudy, becoming cloudy with showers near midnight. Gusting south winds continuing, a low of 5. On Tuesday, showers ending in the morning, then mainly cloudy. More gusting south winds and a high of 12. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good day, hello, and yes, we are now live, not Memorex. This is Echo here. Thanks for joining me. As I uh, said, Phyllis was in the studio earlier. I expected she would be, but she's with us on the phone today. Hi, Phyllis. How are you doing? Hey. Hey. Good. Good. <laughs> this is kind of <laughs> trippy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's different. Right on. What a great interview. What a nice man Mr. Soundborn is. He's just awesome. Yeah, it yeah. was a really good informative interview and you know with false advertising it it seems to be going that way with everything you know we have uh, misinformation news and stuff like this Mm -hmm. in the news they call that astroturfing I guess when they misinform people about stuff like that they're laying out some something to cover up something else or I don't know exactly why they use that word but but it is known as that and then in the environmental area we call it greenwashing which is pretty pretty interesting so yeah instead of brainwashing that's greenwashing pretty much I guess that's basically what it is I'm I'm just so thankful that this gentleman and his uh partners down at the environmental lot uvic did this for the city i mean as he was saying the too close to home everybody involved in that worked really well yeah 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 so um how are you doing phyllis isn't in the studio today because she's we're having some allergy stuff going on yes it's the dust Mm -hmm. you know like it is so bad this year for some odd reason and i am just clogged up and, you know, when you have sniffles and everything, it's best to stay home. 
<laughs> absolutely wandering around. People are still looking at you like they want to stone you to death if you're walking around <laughs> yeah. with a bit of a cough or whatever. It's like yeah, everybody's yeah. still a and little nervous. You know, I, I watched commercials on TV, especially those for pharmaceutical products. And they're saying how good it is and everything. And then if you read the small print at the bottom of that ad, you know, may cause heart disease, may affect mm-hmm. your kidneys, may oh, yeah. do this, may do that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then they never voice it. No, it's never brought to the public, and they have ways. They they have a duty to inform, but they do it in such a strange way. Just like the fellows from the gas plant came in claiming all these jobs, right, which were really non-existent. It's just a way to perpetuate yourself. It's bad, bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it, you you're know. right, it is across the board. It's everywhere. Um, pharmaceuticals, environmental gas companies, food advertising, that's another one. And how's that? 40% false. Yeah. Across the board. So that means food industry, uh, all, all industries are doing this, and it's just a normal way of doing business. It's, I'm so glad that they're looking at uh, taking the challenge to uh, look into this further. Yeah. You know, um, because we need to be well informed of what we're buying, no matter what it is, food pharmaceuticals, even, um, you know, the stuff for our lawns. Yeah, and I mean, it's really up to us to educate ourselves. Exactly, the glyphosate and the sprays like that are just really uh, not... not uh, they don't tell us what they're for. I mean, uh, James Steidel has been on the show uh, a couple of times talking about how when they're spraying that stuff on the forest, they had these two guys come on and completely give false information about about how um, it affects the forests and what it kills and how long it lasts. And so what are we to take as truth and not truth? It's, it's pretty difficult these days. Yes, yes. And, you know, online, where a lot of people get their news and everything, it, 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 it's very false. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Phyllis, we got to take a quick break and we're going to come back here in just a minute and talk a little bit more about falseness. Two Rivers Gallery invites local artists to submit proposals for an original mural design for their wild side space. The wild side is a family-friendly area open to all but mainly geared toward children. Located on the second floor of the gallery, it's filled with activities that encourage curiosity, exploration, and learning through play. Submission and other details about the mural are available through Two Rivers Gallery. The Two Rivers Gallery Wildside Mural Call to Artists. Submission deadline is 5 p.m. April 1st. Hi, my name is Elisabeth. Bonjour, je m'appelle Nive. We are proud to be your spokespeople for the 2022 edition of the Rendezvous de la Francophonie. Prépare-toi à célébrer sous un thème des plus rassembleurs. Ces traditions qui forgent les identités. The RBF also offers many contests with amazing prizes. Du 1er au 31 mars, célèbre avec nous des rendez-vous de la francophonie. It's easy. Visit rbf.ca. Bon rendez-vous! Registration is open for the National Aboriginal Hockey Championship Team BC Player Selection Camp. 
The camp will be held April 8th to 10th in Chilliwack, with the top 20 male and female players being selected to represent BC. Registration is available online at teambcnahc.com. Registration deadline is today. The NAHC Team BC Player Selection Camp, April 8th to 10th in Chilliwack. Full details are available at teambcnahc.com. The Prince George Community Foundation is celebrating their 25th anniversary with a history book. A Brief History of the First 25 Years of the Prince George Community Foundation takes a brief look at how the foundation started and how it has grown. It is also a testament to the strength of the dedicated individuals who've made the foundation what it is today. A Brief History of of the first 25 years of the Prince George Community Foundation, available through their website, pgcf.ca. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George, this is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good day, hello, it's Echo, I'm back on the Monday morning wake-up call. i got Phyllis on the phone line here because we got some allergies going on and Steve is in the seat. We are talking about falseness, falseness of advertising, about the plastics plant in town, and uh, we had Mr. Calvin Sanborn on earlier, QC, from uh, the Victoria Environmental Law Group speaking to uh, us about the issues that we had with the application for the plastics plant here and how this whole situation goes even into a farther, broader, uh, <clears throat> you know, they're just kind of selling us a bill of goods about what this is all going on. They don't talk in real terms about what goes on to get the natural gas to begin with that they want to put in the pipeline, which is fracking which destroys our um, surface ground and uh, allows water to be poisoned all over the place. So they don't come clean about that either. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we have to sell the jobs. And um, so what if a little bit of groundwater is poisoned, okay? Yeah, yeah, pretty much that's it. And uh, what really disturbed me and what made me actually uh, seek out uh Calvin Sanborn to begin with, was when uh, that group of uh, people attacked the platform up at uh, the gas in the Wetswen just a little while ago. Did you see that on uh-huh. the news, Phyllis? Yeah. Okay, there was all those yeah. people in white suits running around. They didn't know who they were, whether they were indigenous folks or whether it was just some setup or or what it was. I haven't frankly heard much about it, but one thing that disturbed me was uh, I've been told that there'll be no fracking through here, right? We're taking the gas line through. We're just pumping gas through. And in fact, they were talking about a drilling platform. They Uh said that they attacked them on the drilling platform, and I still have yet been able to find out from anybody what the story was about why is there a drilling platform in the middle of indigenous land. Um, You know, what is their plan? Are they literally fracking through here or not? And we really can't seem to find any answers. Well, I do believe with that, it's for um, the liquid natural gas that's off the coast, and they have to drill, from what I'm gathering, um, from that site, so it would be easier to pump it onto land and then process it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not exactly sure of the process, but I think that's something that we're, we're gonna have to do a show on in the future is, is actually something to do with the, um, 
check into what their plans are in the long run. I mean, they, they only gave us so much of the one plan that they had to put the uh, plastics plant here, but there was like two more expansions onto that as well as doubling the line that they had from what I saw on the future plans of what was supposed to be happening through here. So they're once again leaving information out. Yeah, well, you know, you got to start small and get everyone behind that small project and then go big, right? You know, and then that way it doesn't matter because they've already allowed the first portion of the Mm -hmm. the project in, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we managed to, uh, hopefully they're going to redirect it or do whatever they have to do. We by no means want to stop people from being employed, but we at the same time do want to protect ourselves, our children, our air shed, and our water. And uh, that's a big thing for you, hey, Steve, is the water? The water. The water. He likes the water. Absolutely. So should, should we be taking a break right about now, Steve? Is it a good time for us to take the last break? Oh, we're all done, and we get to talk through right till till ten a.m. Oh, right perfect! On. So well, it is you know, the first day of about false oh, okay. advertising, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I was thinking right now in Russia, they don't want the true news to be published, and he has passed a law saying if you are caught telling the truth about his war, you get fifteen years. Wow. You know, you know, so a lot of the journalists have left Russia, and it's just their propaganda channel that runs that keeps on saying that it's the Ukrainians that are doing all of these bad things. So then Russians don't learn the truth about what this war really is about. Yeah, well, that propagandist tactic, I think, is pretty much a basic, um, you know, an elementary portion of the whole war scenario to begin with, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have your people behind you. You know, well, and it's not so much behind you, but you want to kind of keep them in the dark so they really can't make a decision on their own, you know, <laughs> but properly, it seems it's it's a kind of a tactic, right? Uh-huh. I, it's it's horrifying. Interestingly enough, I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to back this guy up, but there a show on Netflix I watched yesterday called The President, and it walks through um, all of Bor- what was his name from the time Boris Yeltsin, I guess, was that his name that was in there that yeah. handed the the reins over to Putin. He was never, in fact, elected. He was kind of moved into the space by Yeltsin, and uh, then eventually he was elected when he ended up pulling Russia out of the gutter. So it's it's kind of a long drawn out history. The man has done good for the country, but um, this motivation needs to be looked at a little bit more on what's going on with the Ukraine. Apparently, it's quite historic. Yes. Well, you know, Ukraine was part of the old Russia, the USSR. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a, a, quite a few little countries that used to belong to Russia, you know, and he wants that back. You know, he figures that Russia should be the grand country that it used to be to include, you know, all these little places, including Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I tell you. It is a crazy world out there right now. I just can't imagine having to deal with uh, with everything we've got going on and then a war on top of it. It would just be insane. Yeah. You know, and and the thing is, is that 
they keep on saying the next war, war World War Three, is going to be a nuclear war. Yeah. You know, and, and if that yeah. happens, who and what is going to be left? Yeah, yeah, well, hoping it's just not going to get to that point. What was that, Exactly. Steve? Nothing would be yeah, nothing would be left. It would be just a nightmare. I mean, just what what's damaged the planet with the Fukushima from from that being damaged and what continues to go on there, you can just extrapolate it by us all firing bombs at each other. It's yeah, uh, it's nuclear bombs. Yeah, yeah, and the, the world's a confusing place, but I honestly think that the youth, the youth of today and uh, just Paying attention and and uh, pushing for the right thing, I think, consistently and and lots of you know what can you say? Hopes and prayers are about the only thing that we can continue to do, as well as send aid and and uh, not try to poke the bear into dropping that bomb. Yes, yeah. you know, and and that's just it. You know, it, it, it's all up to one man right now. You know, and that's pretty sad. And with our youth, they're our future. They understand, mm-hmm. you know, we need to have a greener world. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that is really good. Right. Hopefully they'll be the ones that turn everything around for him. It is spring, first day of spring today, so we're pretty happy. Yeah. Oh, I want to give a shout-out to my husband, because uh-huh. it's his 70th birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, Jim. Right on. Yeah, do, 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 yes. Do, do, do. This, yeah, the spring <laughs> chicken, you know. So. <laughs> there you go. We're going to take like him that. out tonight and uh, take him out for a great supper, just to... You know, celebrate this this day, his his big day. Oh, that's that's awesome! It's nice to get out and about and uh, and uh, get out and do some stuff and celebrate the uh, the the wonderful merits of birth. Right? We got yeah. so many so many days on this planet, and uh, we got to take advantage of everyone we can. Oh, that's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we got Cold Snap coming up. Let's uh, talk about that for a little bit. That's pretty exciting. Cold Snap starts this Friday. Yes. And uh, it's going to be a very, very good show this year. Yeah, and it might not be that cold. No, exactly. And that's really refreshing because it usually is just absolutely freezing, freezing, freezing when uh, (laughs) Cold Snap is generally running. It's so neat. We've got some uh, really interesting shows coming up this year. Just trying to get my phone up here. The, the names of them are, are amazing. We've got uh, the Cold Snap Kickoff, and that's with Kathleen Nisbet and Jeanette Kotowicz, as well as Early Spirit. That's called Cold Snap Kickoff. And then we got Sizzlin' Saturday Night with the Zavan Trio and Nula Charles. That's going to be a really great one. We got uh-huh. Big Boom and Sunday with Genevieve Jade, our own local wonderful, wonderful artist, and the Boom Booms, who are an amazing Vancouver band. We've uh, got Regional Rock and Roots with The Brain Porter, Seven Chloe, and Cold South. Now that shows at the Legion, and that is a open-door concert. 
That is a buy donation concert. So that's the one that you're going to want to get down and help support. Um, the other concerts are being held at the Amanika Art Centers or the House of Ancestors. You can go to coldsnapfestival.com and check out where everything's going to be. As well as the Knox Performance Venue is another amazing, amazing space to go listen to, to uh, entertainment. The acoustics are amazing. Oh, yeah. You betcha. Yeah. And then we've got uh, the North Sound coming. They're playing at North uh, at the Knox uh, Performance Venue, and that uh, show is entitled Guitar Masters. That one is going to be a one to check out most definitely. And then we've got Music is Medicine with Carl Weissen and Sarah Smith Trio. That one, looks, yeah, and that is another at the Knox Performance Venue. So you just go in and soothe your soul with that one, I'm sure. And then we have uh, Grand Friday. That's going to be a good one with Maria Dunn and Murray Porter. A Grand Friday. That one is also at the Knox Performance. And our last one is at the sense is called Sensational Singers. And that has a lady. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. I play her on Cold Snap Radio. Hastuk is her name, as well as a fellow named Clarelle, and he is absolutely amazing as well. And that is at the Knox Performance. So, yeah, and and not only do does Cold Snap put on, excuse me, I got a gurgly here in my throat. Um, They put on workshops as well. They've got one, the joy of jigging. Uh, There's an introduction to drum making and traditional techniques that uh, a fellow named Guy Prince is going to be putting on. Excuse me, and that's at Almanica Arts Center. So. there's another one, celebrate a workshop, celebrate heritage and healing, and that oh. yeah, another one, uh, the stories, the instruments, the songs, wow, and uh, how to use music as medicine. That's another good one that's going to be going on with Sarah Smith. So uh, there's all kinds of great things to check out. And not only is there live shows, they are live streaming. So you can actually pay a flat fee, watch every show every night in the comfort of your own home by streaming, as well as partake in the the, uh, different, uh, um, what do you call them, the little classes that they have. So workshops. Workshops. Thank you very much. We all know how much <clears throat> words can seem to evade me sometimes. So thank you, Phyllis. <laughs> You're my hero, girl. Um, yeah. 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 It's so, a Monday. <clears throat> there you go. We can use that as an excuse all the time. So yeah, lots of great things happening this week, and uh, we're coming pretty close to the end of the show. Was there anything else you other wanted to say on there, Phyllis? Oh no. No. Yeah. It's fantastic that uh, spring is finally here. Yes, it is. Spring has sprung. So thanks for coming on with me here, Phyllis. I'm sorry you couldn't make it down today. And thank you again to Mr. Calvin Sanborn for the wonderful, wonderful information and all of the help he has given our city. This is Echo and Phyllis, and we're going to say bye for now. 
After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Echo Wiley, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. You're listening to CFIS-FM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500